Hey everyone, welcome to episode 162 of the InFocus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Howdy howdy. And this week we're going to talk about uh, Pokemon Snap's new uh, free DLC. We're going to talk about Samurai Warriors 5, uh, Trigger Witch, and uh, I've been playing some uh, N64 stuff that's going to bore the hell out of the other two panellists. So uh, no updates from the previous episode, so we'll just get straight into that uh, Pokemon Snap news. Okay, so yeah, uh, new Pokemon Snap is getting uh, three new courses for free uh, on August the 4th. Uh, It's going to include 20 new Pokemon, and um, yeah, I don't think I can be bothered to go back in to experience them. (laughs) How are you two on that? Either you want to jump back in for new courses, or are you you all kind of done with that now? I feel like I'm done with it, but at the same time, I want to see more. Uh, it looked like the trailer showed the little pod thing shrinking down and being more like ground level, which looked interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough sell. I haven't even finished like the Pokedex in the game, so I haven't seen all the Pokemon already in there. So adding more isn't going to <laughs> necessarily entice me. Pokemon Snap was the most forgettable game of the year so far, and I've already forgotten it. <laughs> Until now, when we reminded you. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, I don't think there's any other big Switch news or anything, so uh, we'll just get straight onto the things we've been playing. Yeah, i got a feeling it's going to be a shorter episode this week. Uh, but, uh, Andrew, you're finally allowed to talk about Samurai Warriors 5, uh, which we uh, got a code from the publisher for, like, two or three weeks back. Yeah, Samurai Warriors 5 is another entry in the... Muso 1 versus 100 Dynasty Warriors series. Uh, obviously, it's it's the fifth game in the Samurai Warriors branch of the ever branching series. There are so many different spin offs, and <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just go with spin offs of this series. And uh, Samurai Warriors is, is focused more on Japanese history. And uh, the story of this game actually follows the story of Oda Nobunaga, who was the leader of the Oda clan in a period in Japanese history. It was very shortly after uh, the unifying government had collapsed and had reduced all the, the different lords and the daimyos and the warlords into feuding amongst themselves. And Nobunaga got quite tired of this and decided that he was going to set out and reunite Japan, which he did eventually succeed at, at basically the cost of his soul. At the start of the game, he's known as Nobunaga the Fool, and just as in history, by the time he was done with his quest, he was Nobunaga the Demon King, because he did a lot of very unpleasant things, and I do have to compliment this game for one thing. There was one level in particular where I was playing it, and I think it was the most successful fusion of actually using a muso level to tell a story because while playing this i was like isn't this a war crime <laughs> what we're doing here so that was pretty interesting i was pretty impressed by that but this is a very uh story focused game there's not a lot of modes into this outside of the actual story mode there's the muso mode and then there's a mode called citadel mode where you 
pick a map that has a control point that you're supposed to defend and you fight off a few waves of enemies and then that's that's the end of that mode really uh the maps are only a few minutes long. You earn some resources so you can upgrade the buildings in your base so that way they can that you can upgrade your character's stats to higher levels. And that's really the only bonus mode in the game that I, I've unlocked so far. Maybe, maybe there's more if I uh, get deeper into the game. Uh, but other than that, there's just the Mosu mode that just tells the story of Nobunaga and all of the, the different people who latched on to him. And uh, it's a very broad game it's a very political game it doesn't really get too deep into like the individual stories of the characters it's really more focused on on the history which i i'm not a scholar or i haven't really studied this period of japanese history i can't speak to how accurate this actually is but it seems pretty genuine and I, i've been enjoying it to some extent although that broad view has left me confused it a few times because you know i'll be in one map and this character will be on my side then in the next map they'll be fighting against me and i i'm not sure why because uh, something has happened off screen as part of just the history of what they think went down with this character and that's just how it goes and then then you kill them and you move on to the next to the next level Every Musou game is is basically built on the same mechanics. Uh, you, you have your combo system where you have four basic attacks, and if you press a strong attack after a so many basic attacks, it'll use a different combo. And Samurai Warriors doesn't deviate from that basic system at all, but it does have some more interesting things in it, like a it, there's no run button, which was interesting to me. Instead, there's a combo system, and you're you're actually expected to combo your way between groups of enemies. And there's a, a new ability called a hyper attack, where you actually charge forward, and you can combo the hyper attack straight into a basic attack, and then combo your basic attack into one of your strong attacks, and then you go out of your strong attack into a hyper attack into the next group of enemies, and you, you just keep chaining through every group of enemy until you get your combo up into 3,000 and 5,000 hits. It's a pretty interesting system. It's kept me a lot more engaged with it than with some of the other Musou games I've played, which I, I have felt have been rather boring outside of Hyrule Warriors. I haven't really enjoyed the series that much. I would say outside of Hy Hyrule Warriors, Samurai Warriors 5 here is the one in just terms of pure mechanics is the one I have enjoyed the most. But you also have your ultimate skills, which is a very interesting name because it's not really an ultimate skill. They're skills you use quite often, whereas an ultimate skill would be something like, you know, this is your ultimate ability. You're probably going to use it once, maybe twice in the map. No, your ultimate skills have a refresh of like maybe two minutes uh, when they do different things like clear out a group of enemies on the field for you with a flashy attack or boost your defense or your attack for a short while. And the one that I use most, an ultimate ability that boosts my Muso gauge. So every, every few seconds I can just get free Muso charge so I can use that super flashy cinematic attack that just annihilates a group of enemies and the enemy commanders that are on the field. So... You know, that's Samurai Warriors 5. It's uh, it's another entry, yet another Dynasty Warriors game. As I often say about these games, I don't think they're going to change. Like, if you're not already sold on the series, then this is not going to change your mind. Hyrule Warriors is still the best way to get into this series, and then, then once you're in there, uh, if you're anything like me, you're going to play the other ones, and you're going to go, 
yeah, this is all right, but it's uh, it's no Hyrule Warriors. <laughs> I have been enjoying just the history that it's describing, and the combo system has been pretty decent. This is one of the better Dynasty Warrior games I've played for what that is worth. Nice. Yeah, just uh, one of those genres that's not my thing unless it's heavily focused on another thing that I enjoy. So, yeah, and, and like you, I'm very uh, undereducated about that whole uh, period of time. So, yeah, not not one I would instantly look to. Tori, uh, you uh, only early impressions, but you have been checking out Neo The World Ends With You, the uh, sequel to the original The World Ends With You. Was it like a decade after the original released? And uh, yeah, I think you said you had some uh, thoughts on the control scheme compared to the recent Switch remaster of the original. Yeah, so I'm only a couple of in-game days in, but right off the bat, um, the control scheme actually uses the face buttons. It's not reliant on the touchscreen. Uh, so if that was a deal breaker for you for the original, You'll be very happy to know that this one is very much a console game, not a DS game port that they didn't really know how to integrate touch controls into something that doesn't always have the touch screen readily available. Uh, it maps different uh, team members' attacks. So each team member has one attack that they can do. Um, and it maps the different characters depending on what you give them It'll map it to a button, which means that you can't actually stack um, multiple attacks that use the same button. So, like, you got the R button, the ZR button, or the A or B buttons, or X and Y, and um, the left triggers as well. So it means that every character has a very specific role and a very specific button function. And it makes a lot of sense. It's really hard to describe without actually just giving it a shot. I'm not sure if there's a demo for this one. Um, but it can feel a little button mashy, but like that's not a bad thing. There's still a little bit of strategy about uh, where your your characters are, the movement and everything. But yeah, the, the combat actually feels fun and fluid. I'm really happy with it so far. The other thing that I wanted to mention is just like the art style and the setting. It's a lot more, it's a, like a proper 3D uh, rendition of uh, Shibuya or Tokyo this time around. And there are a couple of places that I recognized just from my time of playing uh, Jet Set Radio Future. Um, <laughs> like there's a Dogenzaka area very early on in the game that you can go down and it somewhat resembles Dogenzaka Hill in Jet Set Radio Future, which I will take any opportunity to talk about. <laughs> I mean, even just the music and the art style is very reminiscent of that sort of energy from Jet Set Radio. It's its own thing. It's very much a sort of comic book-inspired design. I should say manga, I guess. Yeah, I'm, the, the thing that I'm hung up on is I don't know if this is a game that really needs to have finished the first one to understand. There's some concepts and some characters, I think from the first one showing up in here. I don't know if I need the full context. Um, that's why I've been kind of pecking at it lately, is because I am a little confused at the story so far. 
But other than that, hopefully next week I can give some more in-depth uh, thoughts and notes. Nice. Yeah, not one for me, that, because I just did not uh, enjoy the the two attempts I've had at trying the original. So I've tried on both the DS version and, and the Switch, and it's just never stuck. So, yeah, look forward to hearing some more about that uh, next week. Andrew, you've been playing a, an indie game called Trigger Witch. How's that one working out for you? A Trigger Witch is a twin-stick shooter and, and an adventure game about a witch who uses a bunch of guns to kill things instead of her magic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's set in a world where uh, these witches found this portal that starts bestowing them with guns, and over time they start relying on these guns more than their magic. So even though they're called witches, uh, their abilities actually atrophy, and they forget how to cast the really powerful stuff, you know, like fireballs and lightning, and they just use the guns instead. And what magic they do have left, they uh, use to uh, magically reload their weapons. So that that's how they explain the infinite ammo in a twin-stick shooter. And this one is they have a, a munitions factory where they make all the ammunition, and then they just they teleport it with magic straight into all their guns, which is kind of clever, I think. And uh, there's actually a point in the game where you have to go and defend that munitions factory. So that's that's some good world building there. The dash attack, the dodge. It's not it's not a dodge roll, but it works like a dodge roll that are in other twin-stick shooters. It's it's a magical dash and. That that's that's kind of it. They you know, they have alchemy that they use to heal themselves as well, and you you just go through this world that quite strongly resembles the world from A Link to the Past. It has that that same like cliff design for moving up and down areas, and you know there's hidden items that you can discover in caves and uh, by navigating mazes that are in different parts of the environment. You can find chests that have weapon parts in them that you can use to upgrade your weapons and every enemy will drop gems that you can use those are also used to upgrade your weapons and you can buy health expansions so it really it's tempting to call it zelda but as a twin stick shooter but i think that's giving it too much credit it's not as interesting or as cleverly designed as a Zelda game like the emphasis is much more on the shooting and on the action than on navigating the environment and puzzle solving like it is in like an, an older Zelda game especially A Link to the Past which this game visually resembles but I would really resist saying that it actually plays like A Link to the Past uh, which isn't to say that I didn't enjoy this game because I did uh, it's a solid twin stick shooter it's not too challenging i played on the hardest difficulty and i, I still just bulldozed everything in the game <laughs> and got most of the upgrades found almost everything it's about a 10 hour game and you know you go through the world i i went through the world i explored all the dungeons there's not that many there's like five or six maybe and you know, it does that thing where you need to find the reward, like the hidden item in the dungeon, and then you need to use that item to solve some puzzles so that way you can access the boss. It's just that now those items you're discovering are guns. So like in the first <laughs> dungeon, you need to find um, a grenade launcher, or maybe it's a mortar launcher, so you can break some chains. 
better around the dungeon, and that'll open the door to the final boss, and you just go through it just like that, and uh, the progression is almost exactly like a classic Zelda game. I do have to compliment this game for having a final dungeon and a twist with the final boss that caught me completely by surprise just for how ridiculous it was seriously i don't even i don't oh, even wow. want to say it was hilarious and i was taking screenshots of almost everything this final boss was saying because it was so funny and really <laughs> this final boss alone just 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 to see what they did in this game it was worth the price of admission alone i really enjoyed trigger witch and i do recommend it if you like twin stick shooters oh nice uh yeah yeah, I feel like you're not one that's often surprised by big twists in games, so that's that's interesting. It's a ridiculous twist. Like the most I can say about it without, you know, just giving it away was uh this is actually a very common video game like setting and story, but it's told from the other perspective. Uh, let's just put it that way. That 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 <laughs> ordnance portal that the guns come through. Uh it's it's significant. And okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> to play the game, I, I recommend it. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, that's uh, Trigger Witch. Now, uh, I haven't really been playing anything on, on Switch this week apart from uh, Rocket League. Sorry, it's just been really good um, mental switch off uh, gaming when I've uh, finished work and, you know, low investments. So I don't need to commit a lot of time to it to jump into a couple of matches each night. Um, but I have... Uh, hooked up my N64 this week, but unfortunately for uh, various reasons it'll be of no interest to either of you two. The football season is uh, coming back in middle of uh, August, and you know a couple of times a year I get a hankering to play old video games from my childhood. Uh, sorry, old football games from my childhood. Um, and I've got a couple of those on, on the N64, so I wanted to jump into those. So primarily... Uh, International Superstar Soccer Pro 98, uh, which came out just before the uh, 98 World Cup. Um, FIFA 99, uh, I've still got it running beside me at the moment, but uh, Premier Manager 64. Why do I do this to myself? Nostalgia, mainly. I have a lot of um, old football games in my games collection, like very broadly anyway. It's not like, um, you know, I don't have all the FIFAs from the year 2000 to you know the 2010s or anything like that what i do have is my either my favorites or the most notable ones from each generation kind of so it's kind of like a greatest hits but the main reason i like to jump back into these is because these the old ones are it's a bit like a time capsule for something i really love so like if i play fifa 99 like it's got the uh, liverpool squad from 1999 i it just brings up all these happy memories of players from that era you know players from rival teams who were the villains um sort of also helps me remind me of like how i used to feel when i was like that young and like how i no longer feel like that um there's there's a lot of that uh, in place it's, it's not just the the nostalgia element but just like uh like recapturing a, mo a moment in time and seeing all these uh these old players i i i do this a couple of times a year and i, I kind of love it the other interesting thing is kind of like how football game mechanics have evolved 
since like the 90s you know you, you end up with um the two big franchises now which is pez which is going to be called eFootball uh, in the new free-to-play version when it launches next month uh, fifa they're kind of vying for the same audience they you know they have similar control schemes because they just between them settled on something that you know players like the best you know those early days it was it was really like the wild west you had a lot more fun takes on football games you had more interesting ideas their approach to the mechanics is just so bizarre looking back so um a common one now is like in fifa and pez you hold a button to run in old fifas you used to have to tap a button and the faster you tap the button the faster you would run completely not great from access from an accessibility perspective but it does in a weird way recapture like what it's like trying to run at a great speed more than say even the ps4's DualSense does with with fifa now like it's a better physical feedback thing than you know what we have in in the modern day yeah just uh just larger i feel like they had more character and were more fun back in the day but you know there's, there's there is an element of just me being the old man yelling at a cloud with that one and yeah and the, the other thing is it's just nice to be able to play a game without the menu having to connect to the internet and slow everything down and bog the performance down of just you know trying to get into a game uh, that that's that's pretty interesting revisiting these old football games I've, i was just flicking through my collection now to see if there was anything nintendo related i wanted to jump into and yeah i'm just just sticking to these old uh, footy games because that's just what i'm into at the moment uh so yeah so just uh wasting my time on some uh nintendo 64 um i'm guessing neither of you two have anything to add to this conversation up to this particular brand of n64 games no <laughs> <laughs> Is this like the wrestling games where there was just way too many of them on the Nintendo yeah. 64? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I still have one of those, which was most fun, which was uh, WCW. It was great. Yeah, me and my mates used to spend hours just creating custom characters and <laughs> wailing away on each other. That was fun. Um, but yeah, just uh, back in that era, there was just so many different types of this game coming out and they all had different angles they were all weird and fun and a lot of them now when you play them you can actually you know you can see where the the sticky tape is and you can you know you know where how to abuse the the mechanics to to win every time but yeah it's just just such a different weird era and i wish we still had the a little element of that so yeah so that's it that's me um yeah got nothing else so uh Let's uh, wrap up the episode. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Tori, we'll start with you. Uh, well, hopefully more Neo The World Ends With You, because Skyward Sword, I think I said last time, it felt a little bit like padding. I'm up to a part where it feels a lot like padding, and <laughs> I just got to the fourth dungeon, and there's so much stuff in between the third and fourth dungeon that feels unnecessary i just haven't touched it since i walked into the fourth dungeon i'm like I, uh, ugh. i'm just into the second dungeon and i'm still enjoying it but uh yeah my, my memory of revisiting those areas was was not negative like i i don't think the fact that you do that at all 
is a negative in itself but um again that that's me going on very very sketchy memories so i will uh, update you when i start catching up with you yeah, please um, do yeah uh, i'm very interested to see how I, I go with that um the one thing i'm finding and i can't quite tell if it was this way on the original wii version but the uh targeting like for the catapult or the the beetle is just like every time i activate it the cursor is just dragging me off into an irrelevant direction um, and i don't remember having that many problems with it with the original probably the the missing light bar doesn't help with that anyone um, else finding that annoying well i've been mostly playing on the light actually mm-hmm. okay um, yeah i i tried that and i did not have fun with the light control scheme Oh, sorry, with the physical control scheme. So, yeah, mo- motion controls all the way for me there. Andrew, you have an impeccable memory. The targeting, how's that different for you? Uh, in Sk- Skyward Sword, I-, I haven't gotten far enough to actually aim anything yet. Ah, okay. There you go. <laughs> I-, I haven't touched it since the night it came out because uh, I don't know if I emphasized this enough that during that recording, but I just have no interest in playing this game. Uh, I can already tell this is going to be one of those ones where I'm the most positive on it. Yeah, I just um, my main reason is that when I've sat down, I have I feel like I want a good couple of hours blocked to sit down with it, and I just haven't had that. So I've just been looking to other uh, more instantly gratifying kind of things. Hence the Rocket League. Andrew, what are you playing in the coming week? There's a sports RPG called Dodgeball Academia which I, I I hope is great because it looks great. I'll be playing that. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, I'd like to say something, but honestly, it's probably just going to be more Rocket League depending on how my week goes. Uh, I will definitely be plugging away at Skyward Sword. I am still uh, making good progress in Monster Hunter Stories 2. Uh, still digging that a lot. Um, I feel like the story's really about to kick off. So, yeah, just going to keep going with those. for listening to this episode of in focus if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on itunes it really helps us get noticed you can also listen and subscribe on stitcher spotify and other podcast services also make sure to check out our sister shows playstate for playstation and power of x for xbox scotty and i just released a new episode be sure to join our discord server to interact with the lively game podular community and you can follow us on twitter youtube Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all of these are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. Details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew, and you can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically and check out his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. Our host, Andy, is on Twitter at FlameRoastToast, and myself at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O.